0: First pitch swing, a ground ball down to third. It's backhanded by Lamb. On to first to finish the ball game. It was a historic series. It's a historic day for the Toronto Blue Jays. And they absolutely throttled the Baltimore Orioles today 22-7. And the Blue Jays are flying back to Toronto. And folks, they're coming in hot. So here we go. The uh,
1: Toronto Blue Jays, you know from Mr. Wagner's call, beat the Orioles 22-7 yesterday. 16 runs, Kevin Barker, in the first three innings yesterday. That's the most in the first three innings of a game in Blue Jays history. That came in the heels of them scoring 11 runs in the final inning on Saturday. And according to MLB Random Stats, the 27 runs, Kevin Barker, that was the most scored in a four-inning span in the live ball era. That's since 1920, or as we like to say, the year I was born. So if you look at the doubleheader on Saturday and Sunday's early game, Toronto scored 44 runs in less than 24 hours. And they finished with 47 runs over what? Over the weekend. That's their most ever in a four-game series. And over the last 12 games, and they haven't all been against the Orioles, over the last 12 games, they've scored 106 runs while hitting 34 home runs. No other team in MLB history has had at least that many runs and home runs over any 12-game span. And you know what we can do with that, Kevin Barker? We can throw it out. Throw it out because the Tampa Bay Rays are in town tonight for the first of a three-game series. Back to Major League Baseball, folks, after a... uh, after a run through the semi-pro leagues, it's Baseball Central with Blair and Barker. Wait, you were laughing. Seven oh seven is the first pitch tonight. Colin McHugh on the mound for the Rays. Alec Manoa for the Blue Jays. Kevin, where do you want to start with that beatdown of the Baltimore Orioles? <laughs>
2: that's, well, first thing that's going to be a tough act to follow.
1: Well, <laughs> first thing I'll, I mean, my point is flush it away. It doesn't matter now. I mean, you. Yeah, it's obviously it matters because it got you up in the wild card. Race. I get all that. I'm not saying that the wins don't count, but you got the Rays for three games now. And I don't know about you, Kevin, but I was looking at, looking at the Orioles and thinking, okay, is there anything you can take away from that game coming in to play the Rays? I don't think there is because the Orioles stink. I mean, they are a steaming pile of orange colored
2: poo. <laughs> Yeah, I guess. Look, look. you know, and your, and your pitching staff gave up 13 homers in four games to them, too. So, you know, you're going to have to be a little bit better at that, keeping it in the yard. The Rays are a pretty good offensive team now. They're they're scoring a ton of runs. Uh, you know, they got the boomstick, Nelson Cruz. and They've that, been a better lineup.
1: offensive team since the Blue Jays, since he's been over here. I mean, the numbers say that. Yeah, they are. Well, or since yeah, he joined them, I well, should we, say.
2: We'll, we'll have to ask. We, we're going to have a Rays guy on. He's going to tell Brian us. Anderson, yeah, we're yeah. Gonna, he's going to tell us exactly why that is. And or is it a different approach? Is it more confidence? whatever the case is, the Blue Jays, you know, pitching staff as a whole has to be a little bit better keeping the ball in the yard. Now, if you give up a homer, try and give up a solo one, you know, try That means you don't walk people. you be a little bit better with two strikes. The quality of pitches for me have to be a little bit better against the Rays than they were against the Orioles. But, you know, I think people listening to your little opening there gets the point that, you know, it's, it's fun to come in and get healthy, get confident, But get that out of your system. (laughs) Yeah, it's look there. I'm with you there. For me, when I was watching that, that was the first thing I was thinking is when this when these games are over and they're on the plane on the way back to Toronto, what's the conversation going to be like? Is it going to be we're the best team in the American League or is it we did exactly what we were supposed to do? We should we should probably won all four, but we didn't. You know, our our best pitcher on our team had an off night, got off to a little bit of a slow start, couldn't throw strike one. It was all over the play, place with the fastball. The slider wasn't working. We lost that game. We did, we took care of business the other three games. Is that it? Like, mm. is there, you know, George Springer, I guess, looks healthy. He he didn't. In the first game he played, in the second game of the doubleheader, he looked a lot healthier. He just looked like when, you know, he was swinging, he wasn't worried about the knee and you know, the, the rotation and all the weight he was putting on that front knee, so that that's something you can take away. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez looks like he's going to right field a little bit better. Vladdy and, and Bo look like they can make in-game adjustments. You know, you saw Bo first at bat against Aiken, was leg kicking it to the ear. His last at bat when he hit the homer, he was two strikes from 0-0. Those are in-game adjustments you can take away. Loris Gurriel Jr., all of a sudden, the best hitter in the American League are one of them. <laughs> so you can take those kind of things away from it. And I will say, I have been in games, not you know, not against teams at the big league level like the Orioles, but when I was in the minor leagues and I faced really bad pitchers, it gave me confidence. That could carry over to better competition, better pitchers who are going to, you know, make quality pitches O-O. We're going to try and put you away With two strikes, not hang breaking balls, not throw fastballs down the middle. So, those are things you can take away, but I'm with you. If you're a Blue Jays player, you wad that up, you throw it in the garbage, and now you come back and you try and have good at bats, pitch better, and play better and win games.
1: All right, the lineups are in for tonight's first of three games. The Rays, they must be confident because they got their lineup in at 2 o'clock.
2: There's no secret. Run a, run a bunch of, what, five, five true lefties, Brett two Phillips hitters starts and two in right righties. field.
1: Brett Phillips starts in right field. Austin Meadows on the left. Boomstick is the DH. Brian Anderson joins us, by the way, to talk about Nelson Cruz's impact on the team. Folks, the numbers are astounding. You want to talk about trade acquisitions, the numbers are astounding. G-Man Choi at first base. Yandy Diaz at third. Joey Wendell at second. Taylor Wells is a shortstop. Kevin Kiermaier is in center. Francisco Mejia is the catcher. No Brandon Lau for the Toronto Blue Jays. George Springer's leading off at DH. Semien's at second. Grero's at first. Bichette's at short. Hernandez is in right. Kirk's behind the plate. Gurriel's on the left. Gritchick's in center. Bravik Valera is at third base. Alec Manoa on the mound for the Blue Jays. Colin McHugh will be the opener for the Rays, after which they will go with Ryan Yarbrough. And the rest of the pitching matchups in this series, if you're interested, Drew Rasmussen Against Jose Barrios tomorrow, and then Michael Waka against Robbie Ray on Wednesday. Wednesday's game, keep this in mind, Wednesday's game is a 3.07 first pitch. We'll be on the air from 2 to 3 o'clock with Baseball Central to get you set for that series. And the Jays have the day off, and then they welcome in the Minnesota Twins, who, as we speak right now, are tied with the New York Yankees. 5 5. Uh, Aaron Judge just hit a three run home run. We're in the Top of the eighth, or is that top ninth. of the ninth? Ninth. And Erroldis Chapman it just looks. Erroldis Chapman is basically living and dying in the eighty-eight right now, eighty-nine. It looks bizarre watching him pitch, um, but he is. Make uh, you
2: wonder if it was all sticky stuff. Well, I wonder. Look at the,
1: again, eighty-five. It's I mean,
2: spent, I mean spin rate and break on the on the, on the spinner and maybe that's the, that's the reason why I started throwing the split finger yeah here are the
1: uh here are the standings as we as we speak the uh Tampa Bay Rays are in first place in the American League East. they're not going to be caught in the wild card race the Jays and the Red Sox are currently tied the Yankees, who as we said are playing right now they're one game back Oakland's three games back Seattle's three games back oakland's got k c Seattle's got Boston, and uh we mentioned Toronto's got the Rays and the uh, Yankees right now are playing the Minnesota twins and uh we just saw byron byron is that byron buxton no no who is that why am i looking at oh buxton's the next up. uh byron buxton's had quite a day for the for the twins five five in the top of the nine uh five five in the top of the ninth so i mean where do you want to start bark we talked about i mean we got to talk about the offense there's there's a ton I got to admit, Friday night when you we were exchanging texts about the whole Robbie Ray, Brandon Hyde thing, I thought we'd be coming up here today, and I thought we'd be sticking a firecracker up Charlie's butt <laughs> after that. Uh, but, I mean, uh, I, I said in social media, I was all ready for people to come on and say, Charlie's lost the clubhouse, yada, yada, et cetera, et cetera. Well, it looks to me like, it looks to me like he didn't lose the clubhouse, at least out of that game. We got to talk about Vladdy. Vladdy's got 44 home runs now, Kevin Barker. That surpasses Juan Gonzalez in 92. He's only two away from bettering from tying Joe DiMaggio. Joe freaking DiMaggio for the most homers at the age of 22 or younger by an American League player. When you're 22 years old and you're already being linked in the same sentence as Joe DiMaggio, uh, you really do have it going on. He's now tied with Carlos Delgado for the most home runs, fourth most home runs in a season by a Blue Jay all time. I don't know how to say this any other way, folks, but. I understand Shohei Otani is going to get, you know, we talked about Shohei Otani's a unicorn, et cetera, yep. et cetera. Folks, I'll tell you what, I think that race is tightening a bit. I, th- I think the MVP, it's got to be tightening a bit. If Vladi wins a triple crown and the Jays go to the playoffs and he finishes with like 50 bombs, come on. I mean, anyhow, we'll, we have plenty of time mm-hmm. to talk about that. Uh, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. I mean, I don't even know where to end here. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. got another Grand Slam, four Grand Slams in a season. How
2: do you do that? Well, you got to have a lot of people on base in front of you. Well,
1: th- yeah. Yeah, <laughs> facing the Orioles also <laughs> helps. But you made a good point about Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and what he is doing at the plate. And and, and, and tell the listeners cuz it's it's I don't notice it as much as you do. Yeah. But you picked you picked up on this like a couple of days ago and I just kind of thought, okay, and then I watched the game on Sunday and I'm squinting trying to figure out <laughs> I don't I can kind of see what Barker's talking about, yeah. but maybe it's a little subtle. Yeah, so well, tell us it, about Lurie's. It, it's,
2: it's, it's real simple. Like, like a, a lot of his movement is with his lower half, and whenever his upper half is following the movement with his lower half, that will turn his shoulders enough that that makes his swing long out and around the baseball, and that's why you see him. He'll either jam himself, he'll foul off pitches over the first base dugout that he normally drives because of that reason. And now you're starting to see when his lower half is turning his upper half stays square to the baseball that allows his hands to be shorter and more direct to the baseball. And that's when you see, you know, the sort of the inside out, the barrels, the last thing you see, he can hit the ball to all parts of the field and he's hitting fastballs better. That's the one thing too. You know, when he first got to the big leagues, it looked like he was a little bit of a guesser. Uh, He was, because of the lower half, because of the mechanics, he was trying to figure out who he was. He was hitting the spinner a little bit better than he was hitting fastballs. Now you're starting to see because of that lower half is better and the upper half is not following the lower half, it enables him to have that little direct hand movement to the baseball and he's hitting fastballs and he's annihilating everything he sees now. Uh, All right, here we are. It is, uh, they're two out, two on. For
1: the uh, the twins against the Yankees, that looks to me is that the Yankees trainer out there? No, or is that
2: that's the pitching coach?
1: No, no, no. Well, I'll take a look at the dude there in the in the gray top. I don't know. Just, I, I can't imagine he needs an interpreter. Maybe he does. Yeah, that is his interpreter. Okay, so uh, there's there's a uh, out there. But anyhow, the Yankees have two or the Twins have two on two out in the top of the ninth
2: inning, and Rauldus Chapman. Yeah, he has to work hard so now them, man. to get people out. That's your point. Then that's. I mean, I look.
1: I I think that I mean I I think the wild card's the Jays to lose now. Looking at their schedule, looking at what I'm seeing yeah. in the other teams, you know, I mean the that's it's you got to wait every day for the COVID test to know who the hell the Boston Red Sox are going to have sure available. Mm-hmm. And this team, the Yankees are just whatever reason
2: they stopped yeah for, they stopped pitching. So some somehow some way the, the blue Jays have to go four and two in the next six against the race that that for me is going to be yeah. the decider. You know they, they got the twins they got the Yankees who they play really well against and then they end the season with Baltimore yeah it's it's I mean, for they go me, four those and six two against the race
1: I, I think this thing is so close; it almost smells like we're going to see a one-game playoff for that final wild card. It just it yeah it maybe. seems like it. But if you're the Jays, you just got to keep winning. One of the th- that sounds stupid, but when you're when you got the wild card spot, you just you, you keep winning as many games as you can. It, it's it's that simple. Yeah, you're the, in the
2: driver's seat. Yeah, right I think now. I think the George Springer thing is a huge deal for the Blue Jays. He again looks healthy to me, and he's a he's a table setter.
1: The Jays are thirty-seven and twenty-two with Springer in the lineup, yeah. 43-41 when he's out of the lineup.
2: I, ju- I just think, for me, that lets Bo beat Bo. I, r- I really do just, you know, mm-hmm. we, we, we can talk about, you know, it makes Vladdy look, Vladdy's going to be, if Vladdy gets his pitch, Vladdy's going to hit balls harder than everybody else on planet Earth, plain and simple. If he doesn't chase the ball in off the plate a little and the ball away off the plate a little, like Yarborough tonight, if he can just lay off the ball in, and not chase. Don't try and do too much early in count. I know Vladdy just can't wait to swing. Can't wait to get his little fruition of his gather and, you know, drive down and through the baseball. But if he can lay off that little pitch in and get something out over the plate, they'll have success tonight for me.
1: Uh, let's give you some more offensive numbers before we break for uh, Brian Anderson. <laughs> we we, well, we threw those away. Well, we did, but I got it. There's a matter of record. It's the, base, it, it's the baseball show of record in this city. People expect us to talk about it. So All that. right. Throw it out there. It's a baseball show of mm-hmm. record, and that, that's the way we do things. Teoscar Hernandez, his second career Grand Slam. He's got 102 ribbies. That's third most in the majors. His 54 ribbies since the All-Star break and the most among uh. all MLB hitters. And I i want to talk about Danny Jansen as well, but, you know, I'm going to do it later because I loved what you said about Danny Jansen. There's a guy playing in this series that Jan- Danny Jansen could look at and go, yeah. you know what, if I can do what he does, and I should be able to do it. He's not playing for the race tonight though, right? No, he's no, not. not. But we'll we'll I think you know we're we're talking about Mike Zanino. We'll talk about that later on. Yeah. And and just what if Danny Jansen just decided to hit home runs, block balls, and, and play defense. And not worry about anything. I don't care about average. I Don't care about going the other way. Any of that. Yeah. Stuff. Get up there. Try to pull the ball and hit home. I,
2: I hate to say this. You know, you never want to see somebody get hurt and go down to the minor leagues, but it may have been the best thing to ever All happen right, to
1: well, Danny. But so I've already tipped it off. There you go. We'll talk, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in, in, in a few minutes. Uh, and again, we, we got to talk, talk about what happened Friday. Robbie Ray and Brandon Hyde, you did some digging. I went back in the memory bank. We got kind of, we, we kind of pieced together what, is, what has happened. And we're going to walk you through how we think it should have been handled because obviously a lot of people out there are saying Charlie should have stood up for his pitcher, and now that he mm-hmm. didn't, Robbie Ray's not going to re-sign, which is a pile of bull spit. Uh, Robbie Ray He's is going to... Re- the highest bidder. Yeah, R- Robbie Ray's <laughs> going to the highest bidder. So don't... Yeah. That, that's, that's just weak-ass stuff. Don't even bother coming with, a, oh, Robbie Ray's never going to sign in Toronto because his manager didn't stick up. Just forget about it. But there are other things we can talk about. There are other things about that that, that, that kind of bothered me. So we got a lot to say about that. And, and I don't know about you, Barker, but my, I have a bigger issue with the whole Hyunjin Ryu thing, leaving it. I'm not a big, not a big fan of, of going out to talk to a guy who told me last week after the game that his forearm is sore and, saying go, and, and, and leaving the matter in his hands. If I'm Charlie Montoya in that situation, I'm going out with the hook. And I'm taking mm-hmm. Hyunjin Rio the, And it doesn't matter because they won. But I think it gets to the whole talking point about Charlie Montoya. So I, I, I'm going to try to do it tactfully mm. because after a weekend where the Jays have kicked the living snot out of a team, the way they kicked the snot out of the horrible, gosh-awful Baltimore Orioles. <laughs> that little green turd goes down. Or that little orange turd, I should say, goes down the toilet goes into the sewer of baseball history, which is what the Orioles do, where they go. Um, It seems unfair to talk about the manager maybe should have done things differently. But we'll do it anyhow. Why not? You're listening to Baseball Central, powered by DoorDash on the Sportsnet Radio Network. As always, 590-590 is the text line. You can weigh in with comments, suggestions, you want to vent. You want to talk about what your expectations are for the Jays against the Tampa Bay Rays. Minnesota and the Yankees are tied at 5. It is the bottom of the ninth inning. Uh, two out. And Glaber Torres at the plate for the Yankees. Playing at second base today.
2: About time.
1: Yeah, it's only about three years too late. Uh, Glaber Torres at second base. For the Yankees. We will have the result of that. You'll hear it with us sooner sooner than any place else because mm. we're watching it. We'll break into whatever we're doing. Um, hopefully, Glaber Torres doesn't hit a walk-off home run here in this very next nope. pitch. Should we just wait and see if he does? <laughs> Not a chance. Uh, the Jays and Rays start their three-game series tonight at the Rogers Center. A little bit of a reminder. Uh, if you are going to the game tonight... That uh you will have to show proof of vaccination or uh a negative COVID test. That is part of the new uh the new procedure in place. Uh as of well, as of as of today mm-hmm. at the Rogers Center. Uh and uh keep that in mind if you're going down there. Again as always, because the, you know, we're in different times here. Show a little patience and uh you know, let the folks let the folks do their folks down there mm-hmm. do their do their job without, uh, without interfering. There you go. Why not? I mean, I, I'm in a good mood today. Yeah. I've noticed. Yeah, well, you know. It's just, I love it when they, I don't care how bad the Orioles are. I just love it when they get, I just love it when they get their, you don't like the Orioles. No. I don't know how, I don't know how, I don't know how long it's going to, how many years it's going to take for me to flush the showalter out of them. I just don't know. It's, it's so hard. It's so hard. They got some decent players. I feel sorry for they those guys. Two, two, decent players. Mullins and Mountcastle. The kid at second Trey,
2: might be okay. Man too. I root for every single time he plays. Yeah, it's hard not to root for him, but I mean, I, but he's a good player. Anyhow.
1: Well, I'll, I'll tell you this. Um, you know, you may think that the uh, that the Toronto Blue Jays had their way with the Baltimore Orioles. Oh. That's, that's nothing compared to nothing compared to what the Tampa Bay Rays. Oof. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays, due to the Orioles, um, the Rays, of course, are in Toronto tonight for the first of three games. They're 89 and 54. They're nine games nine games up in the Jays. The Jays are 80 and 63. Colin McHugh gets a start. Alec Manoa, or he's the opener. Alec Manoa starts for the Blue Jays. You know, uh, obviously, we like to think that the Jays are this offensive juggernaut, and they're a pretty good offensive they team. They are, yeah. But since Nelson Cruz joined the Rays. The Rays are are actually...
2: They're right there with them.
1: They may be a little bit ahead of them uh, since the acquisition of Nelson Cruz. The Rays are... uh, They've scored 163 runs in 23 road games. That's more than a run greater than the Blue Jays on the road. And uh, they lead the majors with seventy hundred and seventy-five runs scored over the Blue Jays. They lead the majors at five point four two runs per game since Nelson Cruz debuted on July twenty-third. The Rays have scored three hundred and one games in forty-six, three hundred and one runs in forty-six games. That leads the majors. They're averaging six point five four runs per game since his, de- since his debut. Mm-hmm. That's over a run higher than the, than Toronto. Uh, we haven't seen a team score at that percentage since the 1950 Red Sox finished the season with 6.67 runs per. they oh. good offensive so ma- team.
2: So it matters when you have a run producer in the middle of your lineup. I you're think it to does. Let's bring
1: in Rays analyst Brian Anderson. Brian, thanks so much for joining Kevin and myself. As always, we uh, appreciate your time and and love to hear from you. Look, I, I'll I'll just ask you. Uh, I mean, those are those are great numbers for a team since since for the team since Nelson Cruz took over. Is is that the biggest difference between this Rays team and the Rays team that went to the World Series last year?
3: You know, pretty much. I, I would say I, I would say one thing, you know, last year when you think about the Rays and their starting rotation, you know, they had Blake Snell and Charlie Morton um, you know Tyler Glass. They, they were a little bit more formidable as far as starting pitching goes. Go, you know, and combining that with a very good bullpen this year, getting it done a little bit differently as far as the pitching goes. You know, you've got Luis Patino, um, a youngster in the rotation; Shane McClanahan, a youngster in the rotation, and both of those guys are, are basically five. Maybe you could get six innings out of them. Drew Rasmussen has come on. Some unknowns. You know, tonight you're going to watch McHugh open. Ryan Yarbrough is probably going to be the ball guy coming in after him so pitching wise they're doing it a little bit differently not as many household names and established starters at this point Um, but offensively they have become really you know i hate to use the word juggernaut because that's how i would describe the toronto blue jay offense right now especially this this streak that they have been on but they have been scoring runs in bunches Uh, they've got a very versatile offense Kevin Cash does a great job of mixing and matching his right-handed hitters, left-handed hitters. The bench players are going to play a lot. He keeps everybody involved, and uh, you know they've really strengthened themselves up against left-handed pitching, which was a problem uh, for them earlier in the season, and they can beat you a lot of different ways. They are one of the best base-running teams in Major League Baseball, first to third, second to home. Um, they can steal bags when they need to. There was a time this season that they actually led the American League for a time in stolen bases so they can run when they need to and they can hit home runs, not quite to the, uh, the level and the rate that the Blue Jays are hitting them right now, but they've got the long ball in their game too. So there's just a lot of different ways that they can beat you. Uh, and so that's what makes this team so dangerous.
2: Okay, with Nelson Cruz in the lineup, have you noticed a different approach from hitters around him?
3: You know what? I definitely think, yes, there have been, you know, the the Rays lead Major League Baseball strikeouts. I think they've got 20 some more than uh, the Tigers on the season but each month that rate has come down and so you're seeing a team that's that's doing a better job of putting the ball in play I think Nelson Cruz you plug him right into the middle of that lineup and all of a sudden you move some hitters down the lineup uh that bolster those spots especially six seven eight you get a guy like Zanino who uh, is doing a, a great job especially with the long ball at the bottom of the order and not only that but Wander Franco and I think that Nelson Cruz and, um, you know, the way that he has been able to kind of mentor and rub off on Wander Franco. And you're not going to obviously see him in this series. Uh, he just went on the IL with a hamstring, but he really has come along. You know, the first few weeks that he was with the race, he looked like a 20 year old in the, in the big leagues. And then all of a sudden he started to settle in. Here comes Nelson Cruz. Nelson Cruz starts to help this kid out. And right now, Uh, You know, he's got a 38 game, I think, on base streak, the the longest streak in in Major League Baseball, finding ways to get it done. But it's just moved hitters into spots that maybe are a little bit more conducive uh, for their skill set. And he brings that professionalism and he brings that threat every time he comes to the plate. Even if he at that particular time is not swinging the bat well, he's always a threat. And so it's kind of bolstered the entire confidence of the unit.
1: No, you're right. We won't see Wander Franco in this series, but we, we will see him at some point in the postseason. I think that 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 is pretty safe to say. Um, whether the Blue Jays see him, the rest of us will see him. Look, the, the Rays have made a habit of having good young players and getting their good young players in the lineup and having them contribute. But but Brian, this this kid looks like he he looks like a different class. Like he. he, he 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 looks almost Juan Soto, Ronald Acuña. I don't know about Vladdy Jr or Fernando Tatis, but he he just looks like I I watch him play at times and and I watch him at the plate and I think this guy this guy seems like he's a 29 year old guy who's been in the majors for 4 or 5 years.
3: He's a real deal. There's no question about it. You know, he, like I said, he, he had come to the big leagues, 20 years old with all of the hype. you know, two times. He was the major league baseball, number one uh, prospect. And, you know, he comes up to the big leagues. And I think, like I said, for the first, you know, couple of weeks, uh, two, three weeks, it, it looked like the stage was a little bit too big. Like the game was moving a little bit too fast. And then all of a sudden, he started to settle in. Uh, Nelson Cruz comes along. That helped him out quite a bit. But he just really started to settle in. You could see from at bat to at bat, his confidence start to grow. And, you know, swinging the bat well from both sides, he plays the game very hard. You know, he does not take at bats off, he does not take plays off. He has smoothed out his uh, defensive abilities. He was a little shaky early on at shortstop, and, and he has settled in uh, very nicely there. And his bat-to-ball skills are second to none. You know, when he was in the minor leagues, we used to hear stories. They'd be like, hey, by the way, Wander Franco swung and missed last night. It was the first swing and miss in the last six games. Hmm. You, you, you'd hear stories like that. Well, then you see it in play, and it's incredible. He had gone, I think he had like thirty-seven, thirty-eight. I mean, I'm not sure what the number of plate appearances were, but it was a big number uh, where he hadn't struck out, and he had struck out I think three times in in his previous ninety-some plate appearances. So he he doesn't swing and miss a whole lot. He doesn't strike out a whole lot. He puts the ball in play. You can see that he's going to have power that emerges the more that he becomes comfortable with opposing pitchers and and you know just gets gets stronger and and tweaks his swing. You can see that coming along, but he is absolutely the real deal. And the thing that you really love about him um, outside of in the day and age of the strikeout and the strikeout doesn't matter. This kid's bat to ball skills are off the charts and he plays the game extraordinarily hard at such a young age. It's, it's just a, it's refreshing.
2: Yeah. Kevin cash may be the most important manager in baseball, just because of the way he uses the pitching staff, how many arms they use and have how they have to use them. But I I wonder how, with this little cushion he's got, and the way the World Series, the playoffs went last year, you know, his bullpen got a little tired. The the stuff just wasn't there at the end. Do you see him using it differently down the stretch here so they're fresher going into the playoffs?
3: Uh, Without a doubt. And you know what? And a lot of that maybe wasn't even uh, by design because the Rays, there was a time where you could make the argument that their top five relievers we're all on the IL at the same time. And so they were piecemealing up here at the, at the big league level and they were still getting the job done. I, I mean, they were bringing guys in off the street. They'd have an outing, get uh, three, you know, three innings save. And then off you go, Evan Phillips. And then he ends up with the Dodgers and Chris Ellis, who threw a couple of games for the race threw Well, well now he's a starter for Baltimore. I mean, they were using everybody because their top five uh, relievers were on the IL. Well, now all of a sudden they get those guys back. They're fresh. They haven't been overused, and now you're hitting the stretch run, and you've got the full assortment because Nick Anderson, um, who really he hadn't even pitched this this season and was such a big part of the team last year, he just came back off the IL maybe two days ago um, and, it, and it has yet to appear in a game. So they finally have their full assortment of of bullpen guys back, and they're all fresh. They're all healthy. And I think that, that, that that's going to be something that Kevin Cash, he's going to ride that bullpen hard. I think that's the game plan going into the postseason because you don't have those established starters. You know, you're going to give a start to Shane McClanahan, uh, you know, Luis Patino, and these playoffs, Drew Rasmussen. And, and you're going to tell those guys, hey, g- give me 15 outs. Give me 12 to 15 outs, whatever you can give me, and then I'm going to ride my bullpen. And I think that that's how the Rays. Are, are going to play it, um, you know, throughout the rest of this month, and then and then going into October. But he does have a fresh group to work with,
1: Brian. If you look at the Rays against Bo Bichette and Vladdy Jr. since they have been in have have, have been in the majors, I mean, there's no other way to put it. The Rays own them. The Rays particularly own Beau Bichette. He's When I'm looking at this, he's 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 nine for fifty-eight, nine for fifty-eight with fifteen strikeouts, four walks. He has one extra base hit. He's hitting one sixty-seven. What is the? And I know I asked Barker this, and Barker said, "Well, that's because the Rays have good pitching." And and I get that they do have good pitching, but I, I, there isn't a team in baseball that owns these two kids the way the Rays own it. Do you have any 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 idea why that would be?
3: You know what? I, I think a couple of things. I, I think when I think about Bo Bichette, I think of about uh, about a guy who is very aggressive at the plate, um, and he's got a big swing. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has a big swing. And the Rays, guys with big swings, sometimes bleeding into long swings, the Rays pitching staff tears those types of guys up. Because, as, as you know, and you can speak to this, Kevin, as that swing gets long, uh, you know, even if it's quick, if it gets long, more holes open up. And the Rays are so very good at executing pitches, they have great game plans. Great game plans, and I think that that plays into it too because they do all the study of, of what this particular pitcher's pitches do, how they move, and how to best, to best attack this particular swing. You know, They've got all that data. So they look at Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s swing and how it moves through the strike zone, and then each pitcher has a really a personalized scouting report. These pitches work well against this guy in this area. And they're able to execute that. And then that obviously leads to the success.
1: Brian, really good of you to join us as yeah. always, my friend. Terrific insight. Thanks so much. Great stuff. Thank you.
3: Oh. Hey, thanks, fellas. I appreciate it. Anytime.
1: Take care. It's Brian Anderson, the uh, Rays analyst. This is a terrific, I mean, this is a terrific job. I, th- I found those numbers astounding. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, it's funny that he, that, he, that he lumped Vladdy in with the big swing with Bo mm mm-hmm. think vladdy's got a big swing not this year i I think when he gets tired it 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 does
1: but i, I don't we'll see now because i certainly didn't i certainly didn't think it was this weekend
2: um yeah, yeah. See, I I, I think, for me, Vlady doesn't have a big swing. Vlady expands occasionally because he's okay, done. Explain, uh, okay, well, explain well, the difference between well, big, the, well, big there, swing and well, expand. It look, sometimes it looks like it's a little bigger, like he jams himself, like he'll hit a ball off the end because of what he swings at. If you've noticed, when Vlady gets a pitch that he can get barrel to, the ball comes off his barrel second to none. There, there's nobody on planet. I mean, Giancarlo Stanton maybe – Hits a ball harder, but he doesn't hit the ball as many times as hard as as Vladdy does. It's just that, can he refine what he shouldn't swing at? And that, for me, I think is what Brian's talking about, is the game plan attacking what that guy doesn't do well, and that occasionally makes Vladdy look like he's got a longer swing. Now, his longer swing occasionally, too, is with his fruition, and I talk about this all the time, Mm -hmm. is when he is too early and he sits and waits on the pitcher. The hands tend to drop a little bit more. They keep dropping, they keep dropping, they keep dropping. And then they play catch-up. And then when they play catch-up, what's he do? He's out and around. He hits ground balls to third and shortstop. That, for me, is what that is. You know, sometimes you'll get pitchers to raise, especially Yarborough's one of them. He'll quick pitch Vladdy a little bit. He'll hold the ball sometimes. He wants to get Vladdy in between. You know, when do I start when I don't start? How qu- how soon I have to to get my swing going to get in an athletic position? It's... All of those little things that go into the game plans, and I just, with Bo, it's obvious. It's the giant leg kick to the to the ear and trying to get that down on time where the barrel doesn't have loop in it, where he's playing catch-up and he's fouling fastballs off in the middle of plate that he shouldn't foul off. That is where he's talking about the long swing, but it's just funny to hear different teams and, and different analysts talk about different kinds of players. We're in the bottom of the 10th inning and the New York Yankees
1: have just walked off the Minnesota Twins. Gary Sanchez single through the hole uh, into left field. Again, it was the 10th inning. Ghost runner in second, all that stuff. Uh, Gio Urshela struck out attempting to bunt and move the runner over, but Gary Sanchez comes up. So the New York Yankees beating the Minnesota Twins 6-5. That has an impact on the wild card standings and by extension an impact on the Toronto Blue Jays. We'll break it down for you and take a look back at what the hell happened on Friday night at Camden Yards. You're listening to Baseball Central powered by DoorDash on the Sportsnet Radio Network. All right, 595.90 is a text line. A couple of people took offense at my suggestion the Baltimore Orioles were orange poo. Yeah, it wasn't very nice by you. Or uh, the other word I used. So, uh, you're going to No, apologize? I did not use the word crap. I, I apologize to those of you who are Orioles fans who I offended. Mm. Is that okay? Does that have the, cert- you think the, they believe the sincerity? It? I don't care. Anyhow, it's the Orioles. They're going to be bad for decades.
2: Let's talk about what happened. For, they are, you know. Decades well, is a bit strong, but it, it's it's not it's th- not looking. They're going to be the worst team in the American
1: League for the next five years, probably. Probably, yeah. Um, let's talk about what happened Friday night. Speaking of the Orioles, and this is you know just another another reason. The Jays and Orioles have a history going back to Buck Showalter and Jose Batista and Marcus Stroman, and oh, no, it goes back even farther than that when Cito Gaston wouldn't use Mike Messina in the All Star Game, and Cito Gaston would get booed every time he went into Baltimore, and it's just there's, I just hate I. Dislike so much about the Orioles. I really do. Anyhow, Mm. Friday night, Robbie Ray, Cy Young contender. Mm -hmm. Cy Young, well, let's leave it as Cy Young contender for now. Uh, He's having, as you say, he's all over the place against the Orioles. Mm -hmm. And at one point in the game, we can see him talking to – Brandon Hyde, the Orioles' manager, and we can hear Brandon Hyde swearing and he apologized for swearing, which I don't don't apologize for swearing anyhow. The field yeah, microphone I think, you sh-
2: I think you should when there's four people in the stands and everybody can hear well, then, you and you know you're, what? Get you're their, the manager for professional baseball. Get team. Their numbers, you should apologize. Get their numbers and call them Three up the say I'm were sorry. probably kids.
1: Anyhow, whatever. So, it, basically, it, he is heard on camera and on the microphones telling Robbie Ray to get the bleep back up on the mound and tight pants tight pants and Robbie Ray Robbie Ray had heard enough yeah, and said come, says, out come on out some. and get you some and and Brandon Hyde didn't and then then it was over and the game went on and the Jays lost and afterwards Robbie Ray I thought I liked Robbie Ray's lineup but I don't care about him he's not in the batter's box anyhow so we did some digging mm. you talked to a couple of people Here's the situation as we understand it, okay? And I'll let you carry the bulk of the, do the heavy lifting here. Here's the mm. situation as we understand it. Uh, there is a part, if you listen to the whole audio tape, you can hear somebody telling DJ Stewart of the Orioles to...
2: Go away, be quiet, go away, stop be talking, be kind stop talking. Of thing. Yeah, yeah.
1: So it sounds as if this started with DJ Stewart... Yapping a Robbie Ray, and I don't know if it involves. If the the suggestion initially was Robbie Ray thought they were stealing signs or tipping location, you know, he's got whist, two whistling to his end all the time. It, How could you do that? Exactly. <laughs> Here's he's throwing a fastball, and if it isn't a fastball, it's a slider. You don't need to bang a garbage can when Ooh, Robbie Ray is pitched. Good one. So this is going on and on. Now, a couple of things happen. As I said, the game continues and it's over. Now, mm-hmm. immediately social media says, oh, Charlie Montoyo should have been up there sticking, out for, sticking yeah, yeah. up for his pitcher. And now Robbie Ray isn't going to nah. sign with the team. And, oh, my God, Charlie's lost the clubhouse nah. and the Jays go out and club clubbed.
2: The, now, nah, the, 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 right, the last two parts of that, I wasn't on social media, but I was thinking the same thing. The yeah. very first part of that.
1: Okay. And so here's, here's what we know happened. DJ Stewart. Was chirping Robbie Ray. Mm-hmm. Uh, that happens a lot in baseball. Uh, Brandon Hyde got into it. So uh, walk, walk us from there. We got four minutes left. We can carry it over at 6 o'clock. Yeah, yeah. But walk us from
2: there. I, I don't think there is a whole, a whole ton of walking besides where Brandon Hyde was standing. Was out of the, the side. He's hiding of the, in the corner. You can't see him from the Jays dugout. Well, at least the coaches can't. Yeah. So that that's that's the whole gist of it. Uh, was is they thought Stewart was talking and, and yelling back and forth to to Robbie Ray, and that's who Robbie Ray was talking to. And then finally at the end, before they actually found out that it was that it was Brandon Hyde, it was over already. And then it was too late for for Charlie to go out there and do anything. But we all know that the confrontation is not Charlie's strength. He's never going to do that. He's never going to go out no. and yell and scream at an opposing manager. It's just not who he is. We we sh- we shouldn't expect him to do that. But that that was why it was his – that's why you didn't see at least anything of a of a coach or a manager coming out and at least saying yeah. something on purpose because they didn't know who was saying it. And I'm going to say this,
1: and do not think that I'm criticizing Alejandro Kirk because I'm not. But I'm going to say this. My first thought wasn't as a lot of people on social media. Boy, John Gibbons would have been out there. My first thought was, well. If Josh Donaldson had been at third base and Russ Martin had been behind the plate, Russ yeah. Martin would have gone over and kicked Brandon Justin Hyde's Smoke ass.
2: Smoke at first
1: would it have been br- a good one, too. I, I've, listen, I, a lot of stuff goes on there. I have seen and I've, I've seen Russ Martin do stuff when mm-hmm. that stuff's going on. Yeah, yeah. And if you talk to people in the team, they'll tell you Russ – Take up for his pitchers. Russ will take up for his pitchers. You had a rookie catcher behind the play. He ain't gonna do it. No chance he's doing it. And Jake Lamb was at third base. He's been with the Jays for for, for a few hours. Mm -hmm. If that had been JD and and Russ Martin, and I'm not criticizing this year's team. I'm I just told you, I'm not criticizing Mm -hmm. the individual guys. Somebody would have said something. Somebody would have gotten in Brandon Hyde's grill. Yeah, yeah. So that's where I come from on this. I'm with you, man. I know people love the hammer and Charlie. Charlie was. Uh, you're right. Charlie's not a confrontational He's guy, not. and and that's. I don't think the Jays hired Charlie Montoyo because he was going to be a guy who was going to go in and rip the
2: hell out of no, guys. Did with kids bingo he is yeah he's good he's good at communicating with with younger players which is exactly why he's yeah. here it's look it, I, th- I think if they would have known it was the manager yelling at the, their best starting pitcher something would have been done yeah. a lot obviously a lot earlier Petey would have been out there John Snyder would have been out there Charlie would have something yeah. would have happened if they would have found out a little can, earlier
1: can blame Brandon who, Hyde who Brandon Hyde I mean Brandon Hyde was busy hiding in the corner and then of course as the series went on he became the incredible shrinking man I mean, he really did. Well, you can't. But I, mean, I mean, he did, look, he couldn't. He couldn't run away fast enough. He was like he was part of the wall. He was. I, I was
2: guess like, it's it's. I mean, it can't be the easiest thing to manage. That and don't either. worry, I, my I'm reasonably
1: certain. I have it from on very good authority that Robbie Ray's decision to sign in Toronto or not sign in Toronto is not going to have anything to do with the fact that the quote unquote manager it'll didn't be, have his it'll back. It'll be
2: how many years? It'll and be, how much money? They
1: yeah, it'll be how much money are you putting in my back there, pocket? There you go. That's the only thing that the back will have to do with it. It'll mm-hmm. be how much money you put in my back pocket so there we are hopefully we've walked you through that and uh the other thing i am gonna mention right now at this time is folks think back to 2016 the jays are going to the postseason they have a dugout clearing incident against the yankees joaquin benoit who had an era of 0.35 for the blue jays That's at really that good. time was good yeah. Was lights out he tore his calf yeah. running out to take part in one of those bs things so here's the thing I don't want to see any of that in September. I just want the Jays to kick ass and go to the postseason. I don't Mm. care about fist fights. I don't care about showing the other team up. I don't care about bean brawls. I don't want to risk anybody getting hurt. Go out there, hit the hell out of the other team's pitchers, take care of it that way. There we go. How about Danny Jansen? Could Danny Jansen take a look at Mike Zanino, who isn't catching for the Rays tonight, but will be tomorrow. Could he look at Mike Zanino and go, man, That'd be a pretty good thing to become, right? Good defensive catcher, big dude, hit some home runs. Nobody cares about average. We'll talk about that. You're listening to Baseball Central powered by DoorDash on the Sportsnet Radio Network.
0: Yesterday, okay, it might be a 3-1 game where i matched to give us a chance and stuff and to do what we just did again, that many runs. That's tough to do to keep doing that every day, so I don't know what to expect today. I just know I'm proud of this club that at this moment today, to be where we are, it's pretty cool. All
1: right, that was Charlie Montoyo, the manager of the Toronto Blue Jays, ahead of tonight's game against the Tampa Bay Rays. First of three, Alec Manoa on the mound, Kevin Barker, third time. Third time he's faced the Rays this year. The first two were back-to-back. Colin McHugh, the opener for the Tampa Bay Rays. Ryan Yarbrough, who owns the Blue Jays, will be the bulk pitcher.
2: Hmm. So you're saying they have no chance? No, no, not after this weekend. I think with George Springer in the lineup, it's going to help a lot. He's going to bring that, that at bat right out the gate, which is, you know, a big deal. So that, that'll make it a little easier. But again, I, I just think you have to try and lay off the cutter in off the plate. Plate awareness for me is a huge deal against guys that don't throw really hard because what they're trying to get you to do is to expand. They don't want to throw the ball on the plate. They, they, if they do, it's a, it's a change of speed. Pitch like a little slow, get me over breaking ball or a change up, strike the ball, that kind of thing. But they their best pitch, especially lefty, a little deception and in off the plate. If you lay off that and force him on the plate, it'll give him a better chance. The Jays, by the way, have won eleven of their last twelve
1: games. They're fourteen and two over their last sixteen. This is the Blue Jays lineup: Springer, and Guerrero, Bichette, Hernandez, Kirk, Guriel, Grichuk, Valera, Valera at third base. George Springer DHing, We mentioned Alec Manoa on the mound. For the Tampa Bay Rays, it's Brett Phillips, Austin Meadows, Nelson Cruz, G-Man Choi, Yandy Diaz, Joey Wendell, Taylor Walls, Kevin Kiermaier, Francisco Mejia, no Brandon Lau, and no Wander Franco, who was put on the IL uh, today. So you're missing in wa- Wander Franco, one of the stories of the year. Terrific young player mm-hmm. uh, for the Rays. No Randy Arena.
2: Yeah, Alec, Alec for me, I I would think sinker's got to be good. Changeup's got to be good. Yeah, I know his his sliders, his pitch, and that strike to ball, and he's got a couple of different ones. And I think he morphed it into a little bit more of a curveball. You know, had a little bit 12-6 break instead of that 2-7 break that he normally has. But I think with all the lefties, changeup's going to be a big pitch for him. I know the the sinker, changeup, looking the same, different mile per hour. If he can get that somewhere around that 9, 10-mile-an-hour difference and it's in a good spot, he should be okay.
1: We talked a bit about uh, Bo and Vladdy with, with Brian Anderson. And they talked about Bo's numbers against the Rays aren't very good this year. Vladdy, I think, is hitting 240 mm-hmm. uh, against the Rays. Now, look, obviously the Rays, the Rays pitch really well. Uh, that, that, that goes without saying.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, they pitch really well out of the bullpen. They pitch really well out of the starting rotation. Uh, and, and they're the Rays. But, you know, Brian Anderson made an interesting point about the way the Rays do their scouting and how every pitcher is given a personalized, basically a personalized card that says, okay, this this pitch you throw matches up best against this guy based on a swing path through mm-hmm. the zone. Now, I got to imagine that's not a, a lot of other teams do that as well, I would have to think.
2: No, I think so. I think the Blue Jays do the exact same thing. Why? Right. why you know, sometimes it's when they take their hat off. Right. And that's the sequencing of the way they want to throw their pitch to best get that guy out with the the swing plane. That's the yeah. whole deal of that. Putting the finger down in the number. I know it's, they think it's, it's about sometimes with a runner on second base and it is, but a lot of times too, it's about sequencing yeah. of, you know, bat path and what they throw the best. And
1: I always look back Kevin to something John Gibbons said when he was managing this team and we're talking one day about the Rays, and it was after a game in Grapefruit a Grapefruit League game. And I just said, and I said, do you have any idea why the Rays always, they, statistically, they seem to pitch you guys well in the regular season. Mm-hmm. I mean, and this is when they had, this is when they had, our, our Chris Archer was in his full bloom, and they yeah. had Blake Snell and all these guys. Mm-hmm. And I said, but they also, they do a pretty good job in you guys in spring training. And he made an interesting observation. He said the Rays are the only team. Now, this is John Gibbons. This was this had to be five years ago, so mm-hmm. keep that in mind. He said the Rays are the only team that will pitch you in spring training as if it's a mid-season game against you. They – doesn't matter what pitcher it is. Mm-hmm. Their pitchers have a deliberate plan of attack against our everyday players. Now, as he said clearly, if we bring up a guy from – single a right who uh a a guy from single a who uh who they've never seen before i mean they're not going to have a plan of attack no but he said against our everyday players Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter who it is yeah he said they could have a guy wearing number 88 facing josh donaldson he's pitching him the same way Mm. chris archer or blake snell would be pitching him in
2: june yeah see i i think they adapt. Very well. And they have uh, lots of power arms with different arm angles. You know, they, they add a little deception with power. They used to be, for me, uh, a fastball changeup mm-hmm. team. Add and subtract was their thing. You know, you, you make it look straight. They can command those two pitches. They're efficient with those two pitches. They can go deeper in games with those two pitches. Now, for me, it's in. It's more 12 to 6. It's the elevated heater. It's a spinner off the elevated heater. It's either if you've got a, a, a breaking ball that's 12-6, it comes out of that elevated heaver, heater plane. If it's a slider, it's in that elevated heater plane, but it's that 2 to 7 break. They're not tricking anybody. Like it's, it's, we're coming right. After it's execution. You. Exactly. Basically. Right. And they are, you know, decent at getting after so, people's weaknesses, which is, uh, you know, the blue Jays don't have a ton of those guys in the bullpen that they can, they can do that with, you know, Trevor Richards is sort of one of those guys that can, that can pitch to a, a hitter's weakness, but who else? The, the blue yeah, Jays don't, that's, don't that's really fair. Tim Mesa. Maybe, you know, he's a sinker slider. Jordan guy. Romano might be able to ah, eventually, he's, hey, he's eventually. More, he's a more of a power guy. Here it is. See if he can hit okay, it now. Yeah. So, it's, you know, it's not more of if a guy can't hit an elevated heater, you know, the Blue Jays don't have a ton of those guys, which the Rays do, and they add power and, and deception to it. You know, they just got a bunch of arms that you you don't see a ton of in one game. And when you don't do that, how right. how can you time it up? You know, rhythm and timing is what hitting's all about. And if you can disrupt that as a pitcher and by doing that as a manager – You've got a bunch of arms that you can go to and never give that that hitter time to time whatever he's throwing up. You've got a better chance of getting them out, and that's what the Rays do better than anybody. So what do Bo and Vladdy do here? Like what does Bo,
1: Bo, in particular Bo, because those numbers are pretty weighty. You know, the strikeout mm-hmm. strikeouts, 15 strikeouts, and what did I say, 54 plate appearances or something like that? 58. 58 plate appearances, got one extra base hit. Uh, against the Rays, and the numbers don't get much better when you stretch it out and include last year.
2: What does Bo in particular have to do? I I know what I'd do. I'd split the plate in half, use my two-strike approach. Right from the get-go. If you're facing Colin McHugh, I'd have the same approach against him that I would have against Yarborough. I'm eliminating the ball in. If he throws me something away, I get it. I can't miss it. And by doing that, I have to use my two-strike approach. He, he, he's obviously going through something mentally with the leg kick because you're seeing it. Every at-bat mm-hmm. is different. Like I, I just mentioned, the the, against the lefty, the first at-bat was kicking it to your ear. The last at-bat he hit the home run was a two-strike approach from OO. He's thinking about that there's something wrong mechanically here. I just, for whatever reason, can't get my foot down on time to allow me to see the ball where my eyes are not moving enough to allow me to get it on plane and keep it on plane and get to my finish. So for me, split it in half. Look away, use my two-strike approach, and don't overthink it. Those numbers that you just read, never look at that again. It's, it's, he knows better than anybody that this team's really good at pitching. That's their M.O. That's what they're good at. You eliminate that. What's your strength? My strength is not bow in on the black, elevated up on the black, and that spinner that starts strike the ball away, which most right-handed pitcher or hitters in baseball now are not very good at. So I'm trying to not get to the spinner, And I'm going to try and lay off the ball in the black and up. If I can do that, you give yourself a better chance. And this is the big leagues. This is September. They're coming in here. They want home field advantage. They're going to try and get after your. Yeah, they're not mailing mailing in this game. They are sure not because it's very hard. It's going to be very hard for these teams to go to the drop and play because there's nobody there. And they they 1,000% know. It's very hard to see there as a hitter. That's why the people don't want to go in there. It's like it's dark and. The background is just not very good, and they know it. So they're going to try and win every single one of these games, and this is where it comes into play. It's like I just mentioned Vladdy. Vladdy is the same exact way for me. Don't chase the ball in off the plate. Look for something away, elevated on the plate. If you can get that because you're so good, such a good hitter and you have such great hand-eye coordination, everything else will take care of itself. But it's easy for me to sit here on the radio and say that. It's another thing for these two young guys down the stretch, mm-hmm. trying to win against the best team in the American League and have that same approach. But the best ones do it. The, the halfway decent ones like me did it sometimes. Now, we, uh,
1: we talked a little bit in the last hour about uh, uh, Mike Zanino and Danny Jansen. And Danny Jansen, uh, since he's gone down to the I.L., Kevin, has come back. He's 11 for 25. He's hitting 440, six doubles, three home runs on nine mm-hmm. RBI. Now, this is a team, obviously, the Jays, are, the Jays are smoking hot right now. They're smoking hot right now. But one of the keys in this series against Baltimore was we saw the bottom of that lineup help turn things over. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a reason you send 11 men to the plate in a couple of innings. That's because of guys like Jake Lamb and Bravik Valera and Danny Jansen did Junior something. Lourdes-Guriel Lourdes Gurriel yep. Jr. did something. You know, what we've talked about, we know the organization likes Danny Jansen. We know that everybody loves Alejandro Kirk, and and we know that Alejandro Kirk's got amazing bat-the-ball skills, Mm -hmm. far better than Danny Jansen's. But we look at Mike Zanino. This is a guy that went to the All-Star game because he blocks balls, is a good defender, and hits home runs. Mm -hmm. Mike Zanino is never going to hit for average. He doesn't try to. Can, Can Danny Jansen based on what you're seeing now, and I want you to talk about what he's done with this, with, with his swing. Yeah. But could he? why couldn't he be that guy? Why, and, and to me, that's good enough. If Danny Jansen's going to hit me, I don't know. Danny Jansen hits me 20 home runs a year, and I don't care if he Every hit day 210 or, or 215 or whatever. Who cares? If you do that, and if you are as good with your game calling and a defender as everybody in the team tells me you are. He's a very good blocker, too. I can live with that in this team because I'm not, I, I don't think I'm ever going to need my catcher
2: to be a 300 hitter. Well, Danny, hit. Danny will be hitting eighth or ninth. Too. You, you take a 20 home run eighth or ninth hitter. Sure. Yeah. I yeah. You know, I, I said that a, a couple segments ago about the best thing that happened to Danny this year is him getting sent down. And the reason why I said that is he is a catcher first up until this point. Guy, everything was revolved around game plans, getting every single pitcher through every. Advanced scouting report that John Snyder gives him, which is a lot like there you 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 talk about what the pitcher goes through and thinking about pitching to the weakness Add that time, seventy when it comes to the catcher, uh, what if he swings at it this way? Well, you know what if he's out in front of the the, uh, the way we want to attack him, all the things that go to take to try and get him and his pitcher through certain big parts of the game. And Danny went down to the minor leagues and actually worked on his swing, and it, it shows. Like, for for me, Danny is a eliminate half the field. You're not a right no, center, no, no, right field guy. Uh-uh. Yeah. You are a up the middle, left field and line guy. And that's all you have to be in this team. You do. You don't, don't Well, not on the team. You're not capable of doing okay. that. You're not a good team, enough hitter to go that way. On
1: this team, that's good enough is what I'm saying,
2: and though. Yeah, yeah, it is, but you got to be yourself first. If you're yourself then the team thing will take care of itself because you're starting to do what you're ultimately wanting to do and and supposed to do. So for me, what Danny, this is just me, is a lot of the times he wasn't getting off his backside. He wasn't driving his back hip at the baseball enough because he wasn't using his legs enough. You know, sometimes you'd see his feet closer together, which eliminated his eyesight because his head was moving so much he couldn't tell the difference between a strike or ball. Or more importantly, he couldn't get his pitch to pull which is basically you can go outer third elevated to the inside part of the plate. That's where he wants it. He wants it a little elevated. He wants it inside part of the plate where he can get the head out in front of the plate and pull the baseball headed up the middle. So what's he go? He goes down to the minor leagues. He widens out his stance a little bit. Not saying he wants to eliminate his lower half. He just wants to sit in it more. Every house, how do you build it? You build it with a great foundation. Well, hitting's no different. When you have a great foundation, everything else will take care of itself. It will follow. And that's what you're starting to see. And, oh, by the way, now he has confidence because it was working in the minor leagues because he had time to work on it. There was no game planning at the minor league level. You got a fastball, throw it. You got a curveball, throw it. Okay, we'll we'll figure it out from there. Uh,
1: A reminder that Ben Wagner joins us from the ballpark in a few minutes. A couple of folks reached out on the text line. Five ninety five ninety Rosalie on Avenue Road, Scott from Alora and Clifton in and Etobicoke. All, well, Clifton in Etobicoke, I'll, I'll put it, we'll uh, leave that aside for a minute, but the first two wanted to know, well, Clifton wanted to know, what if Montoyo had gone to hide between innings and expressed his displeasure? Would that have been enough? Uh, the other thing, though, that uh, Scott from Alora and Rosalie wanted to know, Kevin, is what's the umpire's role here? Because surely the umpire, Jim Wolfe, Surely he could
2: hear what was going well, everybody, on. Everybody, if we could hear it, he could hear yeah. it. So, so, uh, what's his role here? Yeah, I think I think the old saying is, what, "What's that? A good umpire is one you never knows on the field." That's a little bit of it too. You, but if I have a pitcher motioning to a manager to come and get me, I, get think, you if some, the, I think if the if that person would have came and got him some, then you okay. are seeing the umpire step between. Some sometimes it's they're grown men. You 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 know you you. You got to have a little field awareness and understand what's going mm-hmm. on around you, and not try and be involved in everything. And that's sort of a good umpire for me. Understands the difference between the two. Right. We'll understand that it's okay for the the two people to be arguing back and forth if it doesn't last a long time and disrupt the rhythm of the game, yeah. which it didn't. No, like it didn't disrupt how and many. Robbie not like there was And It's not like there, was, was, a, not like there was a
1: bean brawl. And, Exa- and, and, exactly. right. And Robbie seemed to to move on from it. He and did. and and, and I guess further, to, it's a good question, but also I think further to the point is is the umpire is looking at this thing and he's probably, okay, that their manager's not doing anything. Their pitcher seems cool with it. Catcher's not doing anything. Hitter's not doing anything. I'm looking over at the Orioles. I mean, basically, if Jim Wolf had called time and taken his mask off and gone over to Brandon Hyde, now you're starting. You something. have, yeah. Now you kind of opened a whole can Show of worms. Light on it. So I think it's one of those things. I and I, I take your point, and I and I, I know you've talked to about it. it. It's. I just think the coaches. I just think they didn't see it, and and.
2: Well, they well, actually they saw Robbie doing his thing. They just didn't yeah, know they, who but, was yelling back at Robbie. Right. That, that was the whole point. And if they did, yeah. something would have been done about it because you're not. The, the coaches know well enough who's on the mound, what that person means to their team. They're not going to let somebody pick on their player mm-hmm. just because they thought it was another player arguing with a, one, one of their players on their team. And, you know, it... I think it ended quick enough that everything was okay. We're
1: going to be joined by Ben Wagner, the radio voice of the Blue Jays. He will have the call from the ballpark seven oh seven as the Jays take on the Tampa Bay Rays. First of three games, the Jays holding down the wild card spot right now. Yankees won their half a game back. Red Sox are active as well today. Uh, want to talk about Hyunjin Ryu. And uh, Park, we'll, we, I know we've, we've both got some thoughts on that. I want to wait and bring Ben Wagner in. Uh, Hyunjin Ryu will not be starting the series. The question is, after what you've seen the last two starts, now I know you got an off day Thursday, but are you evaluating Jin Ryu a little differently right now than you were three weeks ago? Ben Wagner will join us. We'll break that down. You're listening to Baseball Central powered by DoorDash on the Sportsnet radio network.
0: You know, it's funny. A week ago, I was looking at the schedule. I saw Auckland I saw the Yankees, and then the Orioles, and then the Rays. And I go, "Wow!" You know, it's going to be tough. You know, if we can split those games, so we can stay in the race. But to do what we just did, it's freaking unbelievable. The Charlie
1: Montoyo manager of the Toronto Blue Jays being very careful with his choice of words. 7:07 hmm. is the first pitch tonight. Jays and the Rays. Um, Baltimore was one thing. The Rays, are, uh, the Rays are another thing. A couple of reminders. Uh, Blue Jays fans going to the game will have to show they've been vaccinated against COVID-19 or test negative for the virus to enter the Rogers Center. That policy's in place for the rest of the season. And um, just a, a, a little bit of, uh, well, I guess a little bit of tooting the Blue Jays' own horn and the network's horn. The uh Jays and Yankees was the most watched series of the season. Four point one million Canadians watched it in Sportsnet. Mm. And uh the 47 run performance in Baltimore reached four million viewers this week. That's awesome. So uh the Jays are a big deal. And mm. uh let's bring in Ben Wagner, radio voice of the Blue Jays, who's who is down at the Roger Center. Ben, this is this is one of those games where you kinda you kinda wish there were 40,000 people in the stand. That the place was full. Obviously, you're not going to get that with uh, with COVID-19 regulations in place. But um, this is uh, well, I'll I'll ask you, though, how how do you view how do you view this series against the Rays? Like, Bark made the point that, hey, it was great what you did against the Orioles, but you got to just you literally have to flush that away right now and just and and almost like forget about it.
0: You have to forget about that series, but also you need to remember what you were able to do in that series and keep momentum rolling. Uh, The bats are where they need to be. You know, this offense, guys are chatting on the field, watching that out-of-town scoreboard, watching the Yankees come back, Gary Sanchez getting the walk-off hit. Uh, It's very real right now for the Toronto Blue Jays, and you don't want to have the letdown against this series, which I don't think it's going to be. And this goes back to something somebody told me in Dunedin when we were chatting and the energy that was, or lack of energy from a Blue Jay perspective that was in Dunedin, and the fact that the Rays fans showed up. And that still stuck in the crawl of Blue Jay players going into this series. And they feel like they've leveled one the playing field from earlier in the year to get to this point. Two then, they've got their fans behind them. But also, this is now two years running but more importantly this season because they've raised their own expectations again this series specifically is designed for a club that knows the best in the american League east for the majority of the year is the team that they have to get past they recognize it they know who it is and it's the tampa bay rays and that has been echoed from very very early in my conversations with players and coaches This season, uh, going back to the regular season. I'm not even talking about, you know, all the spring training. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're, you know, we rah, rah this, rah, rah that. No, no, no. Once the lights went on and the bell was ringing, they knew that the big series. And remember the biggest reactions early on from the Blue Jays. And I think back to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and that big hit that he had when he cranked the home run, and the image still lives. I mean, God, it's hanging on the walls in this building where he flexed off towards the first base dugout after he hit that big home run, and he flexed and he was jumping into the air. That's the first time we really saw this open display of emotion on the field from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in an in-game moment, and that's why. That's why the players realize in that clubhouse that this is the team. If they're going to make some noise, they've got to get past, and this is why this series and the next one is going to be so big.
2: Ben, do you think there's a point of emphasis against? Uh, I think the the Blue Jays allowed 13 homers in the four games against the Orioles. You think there's any carryover to that? You think Petey's, you know, maybe thinking different game plans, maneuvering around certain people, that kind of thing.
0: Uh, when it comes to Alec Manoa, interesting, not necessarily from what happened in the Baltimore series. You know, I I get the fact that with Manoa it's going to be how do you keep the left-handed hitters off balance and and the development of his changeup. And that's been the most important pitch in the major leagues for Alec Manoa. And I asked somebody on the field today, I said, was the Yankees left-handed hitter a good test? And and especially the pesky ones like Brett Gardner. Remember that Brett Gardner at bat in in the Manoa start? Ends up with a Brett Gardner home run. Manoa wanted to challenge him with a fastball. And... After the ball game, they were kind of second-guessing that pitch selection. I think that was a big turning point in Manoa learning how to pitch, not just throw. And if the fastball is working today, hey, live with it, right? But that changeup is something that Alec Manoa will have to use to his advantage today. And there are going to be a lot of left-handed hitters in this lineup. Seven guys are going to bat on the left side of the plate.
2: Okay, the speaking cup- of... Oh, sorry. Speaking of batting, uh, how's George Springer looked health-wise to you?
0: <laughs> this guy, in three days, looks like a completely new player. Really? Doesn't he? Yeah, from, yeah. From that knee, hampering him the pain, the deep breathing, the almost like out-of-body experience that he was trying to transport himself away from whoever he was in the batter's box to get himself locked back in to be, you know, a competitor in New York on Monday. That's a week ago now. Uh, he looked completely different in Baltimore. And I said, what's the biggest difference with, with George Springer when I was around the cage earlier today? They said, that knee feels a lot better. And I said, well, it looked like it when we were calling the game in the studio over the weekend. I mean, you can't compare body language, the mobility – Overall, just the fact that he was swinging the bat better, and I was watching in batting practice, he and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. were going swing for swing. Now, Vladdy was hitting fourth-deck shots, and then Springer would scrape the center field wall, and he goes, yeah, kid, you know, you got a lot of potential. So (laughs) uh, (laughs) it was a funny, funny exchange, Uh, but I don't think you get that if George Springer is really worried about the pregame treatment, the... uh, Whatever has to happen, you know, to get his knee ready to play. If he's out horsing around on the field like that. That is a big turning point. And even going back now 10 days, when George Springer was trying to get back into the lineup off of the injured list, George Springer was absent from batting practice. Absent from all the pregame festivities and activity. Until right before first pitches when George Springer emerged. Even as the DH. So this is a really good sign for me with George Springer.
1: Ben, what's your level of concern with Hyun Ryu? And you know, there there was obviously social media was rife with criticism of Charlie for the whole the whole thing with Robbie Ray and not standing up to Brandon Hyde, et cetera, et cetera. I, I had a bigger issue, frankly, with Charlie coming out and leaving Hyunjin Ryu out there. Now, first of all, I understand you know, Hyunjin Ryu, he's got the contract, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, but let's face it, he's not the Blue Jays' best starting pitcher this year. He might be their third or fourth best starting pitcher this year. Secondly, in his previous start, he complained of a forearm issue. Uh, now, the Jays went on to win the game, but, man, I, I don't know. In that situation, I'm not letting that guy talk me into... Uh, talk me into staying in the game. I'm, I'm coming out with the hook. And, and based on what you saw, Ben, like, what, what's, your, what's your comfort level with him? Do you have to, do you almost have to think about missing a start d- depending on what happens against the Rays?
0: I'm 50 50 on it. I really am. I, yeah. I think, man, this guy could be really good today, and I hope it's that guy today. But then all of a sudden, it's four runs and, you know, three and two thirds, and a pitch count that maybe gets driven up. And you're thinking, well, here we go again. You know, it's it's a combination of a couple of things. One, uh, y- the level of expectation, right? There's a level of expectation. You got you go with a guy that was inked and then promoted and expected to be a horse on the mound. And to me, that means sucking up innings, dominating your opponent, and and a minuscule earned run average, and just going out there and being the gamer, being a stopper. This season, he's certainly not that. You also have the age factoring in and the fact where now we're worried about, is it a lingering issue with the elbow? Is it connected with problems in his past? Is it shoulder related? The pocket of play that Hyunjin Ryu had in June is very similar to the one that he's going through right now. I think the, the level of expectation is certainly high because of the importance of individual starts but there's a big concern around Hyun Jin Ryu as well and that that concern was still there against the Baltimore Orioles very much so because I tried to kick the tires and get some information on it and it was locked down city from sources within the organization and you know just reading the tea leaves there was concern and I think that only builds because it wasn't it wasn't quelled the last time out
2: okay Char- charlie's a confidence manager he's got to have confidence in the guy he's going to out of the bullpen you think after the Orioles series he has more or less confidence in Merriweather and Pearson
0: the same with Merriweather low leverage opportunities Mm. and less with Nate Pearson less Mm -hmm. less less we saw more strikes but again you're not seeing a reaction in the batter's box from guys with the fastball or with the breaking stuff and, you know, that's going to be a big difference maker. Is there a little deception? Does the fastball sneak up on people? Is it explosive? There were some really comfortable swings in New York and in Baltimore again. And that's where, that's where you've got to have 100% conviction in bringing anybody in, yeah. let alone Nate Pearson. Now, the, the good thing is Nate Pearson did clear two innings. That's something that he had not been asked to do, and the body has responded well. So if there is a lower leverage situation, maybe a game that you're up five, down five, and he looks in the matchups and competitive enough, maybe he does give another nod, another chance, you know, to go out and prove that, hey, I'm making strides here on certain things. But I, I think when you look at, They're two separate cases, first and foremost. I know that, you know, a lot of expectations with both those guys, but there's two separate entities. Uh, Julian Merriweather is somebody that they're going to pitch in and see and just hope for the best. Nate Pearson, of course, there's a lot right on it, but you've got to take it to that next step before he gets a bigger, 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 and then maybe the biggest spotlight, you know, to pitch in a late game leverage situation
1: before we before we let you run and uh, get set for the game ryan Barucki is with the team what what what's the read on ryan Barucki?
0: well it's a lefty heavy lineup for the tampa bay rays and the blue jays love to stack an extra lefty in the bullpen we've seen this before uh, ryan Barucky basically went down never stopped throwing when he was in florida but he went into the pitching lab and i asked matt bushman about this on the field earlier today and i said is this is this the best test case for you guys in season when you've got somebody that may not be totally in sync, you send him down to the pitching lab, and you try to rework him, rebuild him, and he said, we're not trying to rework or rebuild Ryan Barucki. We're trying to get Ryan Barucki back to where he was. There's been a couple of breakdowns in his mechanics. His stuff certainly wasn't there, and I said, well, is he the same guy when it comes to stuff, the fastball, the cutter, and the changeup? He said, overwhelmingly, yes, but I know when he was in AAA, they were working on the changeup because that needs to be a pitch where he can use with the three batter minimum and then being a multi-inning guy. And that's by design. They want Ryan Barucki without a long guy in the bullpen right now. And that factors in now. Hyunjin Ryu, right, and Ross Stripling. Mm-hmm. They don't have a traditional long guy in the bullpen right now. So that's why. Getting Ryan Barucki back up here is so important for this series against the Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah, and
1: you're uh, right. And with six games against the Rays, you got another series against Rays. Ryan Barucki could write himself large, even if it's just a couple of appearances here. That yeah. could be huge. If he can give big you time. two innings in, in, in two of these next six games or whatever, that could be huge.
0: Big, big time.
1: Ben, we'll let you run. Look forward to your call, my friend. Thanks, as go. always.
0: Sounds great, guys. Chat soon.
1: Ben Wagner, a radio voice of the J 707 is the first pitch. We did mention Ryan Brucke has been brought up, uh, by the organization. And I, I, I talked to, uh, Ross Atkins a little bit, a couple of weekends ago about Ryan Brucke. And I, he said, I'm not going to tell you what we, you know, what we did, mm. uh, at the, uh, at the pitching lab down in Dunedin. But, you know, one of the things he said, and, and it kind of ties in with what Matt Bushman said, he said, I don't think we were trying to reinvent every anything, we're trying to make a couple of changes, not even changes. He said, we're trying to tweak a couple of things. But he said, mostly we we wanted to, and this is where the pitching lab, I think you're going to see it used more and more. He said, sometimes sometimes you need to allow guys to work on stuff where they can afford to fail. You're not, you know, you can't, you go out in AAA and you work in something, and you give up three runs. I mean, it doesn't matter. You can tell pitcher, well, it doesn't really matter because I'm working and stuff, but no one likes to be out in the middle nope. of a game and give up a couple of runs. And, you know, this this is something I think I think baseball people went to school a little bit last year during COVID nineteen. And I think a lot of a lot of things that were done at that at that that camp, the the what do they call it? The instructional camp or whatever it was, you mm-hmm. know, the place where they were putting some minor leaguers. I think that a lot of people realized, no, wait a minute. Maybe we had Josh Palacios talk about yep. this. Go down and work on base stealing. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if I, I get picked off three times in a game down there. It doesn't matter. The games don't count. Yep. It's like a scrimmage. And I think maybe you're starting to see baseball figure that out a bit. That, yeah, I, I there's something to be said for competition. But maybe when you're looking at a guy, maybe the best thing to do is put him down. Let him figure stuff out in his own without having to worry about whether or not he's getting his butt handed to him by,
2: by Scranton, you know? Yeah. Look, that's, that's, that's a tough sale. Unless you're, you're the boss and you walk up to a Ryan Barucky and say, it's okay if you, if you stink, basically. Exa- well, yeah, like, exactly. It's, it's, that's a tough sale. Like that's a tough sale for a player. I know if a guy walked up to me and said that or, or any person that said, you, hey, it's okay for you to go down and strike but, out 15 times no, but so let me you're put it, working on this. That's a tough sell. Let me put it to you this way, though. What, what if, I, you know,
1: you're with the Brewers and you're scuffling and they say to, the, to you, you know what, Kevin, we want you to go down and work on whatever. There's, there's a certain mechanical thing. We want you to go and work on it down in the, at, at the complex. Yeah. And you're going to be working with a couple of hitting coaches and that, and, and we want you to go through that and just work on it. And you're not gonna take it into a game until we're happy with it.
2: Yeah. When I when I played, that's called getting traded. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I <thought> that's what that's called. Well, there you go. You, there well, you go. I mean that's the that's the difference between when I was playing and now. Sure. Is you get an opportunity to to stink. When I played, you didn't. You stunk. You you they weren't sending you no lab and saying, Re- redo this. It's okay to stink for three months. Nah, it, it didn't work that way. I'm I'm happy for Ryan Barucky. He he is a he's a a really good person who tries really hard, yeah. who I think this is just me from watching him, has gotten has not gotten over being injured. Talk about Tim Mesa a lot. And Tim Mesa went through a little bit of a peak and valley of, is it okay if I let it eat, wake up the next day and be sore? For me, I don't think Ryan Brook he's gotten over that yet. He no. just doesn't know how to do that. It's fine of Danny to send him down and mechanically work on what you're doing or where you're standing on, on where, whatever you're doing, release point, grip, whatever it is. But for me, just from what I've seen and the conversations I've had with him, it always the conversation I always started with, I don't feel right. My body just doesn't feel right. And for me, until he gets over that.
1: So maybe maybe he's gotten over it. Well, maybe maybe being with Tim Mesa. Maybe around Tim Mesa helps him out. Because Tim Mazza Tim Mesa will
2: tell you he had to get over being hurt. I'm guessing this is just me guessing, and this is me watching. No, it's- and, and having conversations with him and having conversations, there are people around him. Now, I'm sure it's not hurting that they've sent him down there and told him this right. and allowed him to do whatever it is he's doing. And we'll know it as soon as we see it. Mm-hmm. We've watched him enough. And we'll see stay. him. I think we'll see him in this series. Uh, I think we'll see him this series. Charlie is a big trust guy. Big trust guy. That's mm-hmm. why Petey has to give him three names. Uh, all right. <laughs> I'm just telling you. like right. he's yeah, a major. Yeah. You know, it's his job. Yeah. Okay. Plain and simple. Like, it right. ain't nobody else's job. It's, I, you got options. Which one do you trust the most? That's the one he's going with.
1: It'll be Alec Manoa's third time against the Tampa Bay Rays tonight. And uh, we'll talk a little more about that. Maybe take a look at Vladdy's MVP case as well. 590, 590 is the text line. We'll go back to the text line. Maybe throw this out for a little quick hit. Quick hit in the text line. Does Vladdy, in your mind, have any chance at all? Any chance at all in the MVP race? Now, he's got a shot at the Triple Crown here. He's going to hit 50 home runs, I think. Now, he doesn't pitch. He doesn't pitch. He doesn't pitch. As someone said the other day, you know what? Maybe Charlie should have put him in a, one of the games and let him pitch an inning just so that, well, you know, there you go. At least you can say, well, what do you mean he doesn't pitch? He, he pitches as well. Anyhow, it was a joke, it fell flat. Five ninety five ninety. Does Vladdy, in your mind, have a shot? Should he have a shot? Should voters, MVP voters, be looking seriously at Vladdy? Don't forget Shohei Ohtani's a unicorn. He's doing great things. His team stinks. They're not in the playoffs. The Jays hold the wild card right now. You're listening to Baseball Central, powered by DoorDash, on the Sportsnet Radio Network. All right, Chris Black is one of our producers on uh, Blue Jay Central on the TV side, and uh, he's a great Twitter follow. It's down to Black as his Twitter handle. Like, sent him an email or I sent him a, a text earlier today about Vladdy, about the Rays against Vladdy and against Bo in particular, and um, they have a lot of success against the two. So, uh, Chris started a thread. I'm just gonna I'm gonna read this out, Kevin, and then you tell me what this tells you. Okay. Fastball percentage against Jays hitters this season. The A's threw 58% fastball against the Jays. Mm -hmm. The league average is 50% right in the middle. The Rays, they throw 36% fastballs against the Jays overall. The next lowest is 46. Bo Bichette, the Astros threw him 65% fastballs. The league average is 52% fastballs. The Rays have thrown 34% fastballs to Bo. The next lowest is 44, Marcus Semyon. Rangers, 58% fastballs. League average, 48% fastballs. The Rays, 31%. The next lowest is 38. Vladdy Jr., he sees an average of 49% fastballs. The Mets threw him 66% fastballs. Mm-hmm. The Rays have thrown fastballs 30% percent of the time. The next lowest is 43 as Chris says, for Vlad against the Rays, what stands out is how consistently they work him away. By pitch location, average pitch location, no team in baseball worked him away more than the Rays. All right, we talked about we talked about this, and, and one, of, one of the beauties of the Rays, as you mentioned, is they give you a variety of looks. Yeah, yeah. Arm angles and stuff. They give you a variety of stuff. Sure. So... But one of the things we also know is we've talked about at times the Jays do look... Sometimes vlady has trouble with Velo. Mm. He Well, maybe he doesn't now. But he we were talking about... And Bo has trouble with Velo at times. You've I made, think you've it's made more, that point. it's more
2: Bo than it okay. is Vladdy. So explain to me that. Vladdy's hitting like 390 off the heater. Okay. <laughs>
1: so not Vladi. So, so he's slugging
2: somewhere in like the 680 okay. range. So, yeah. So... But explain that. Explain that approach. Yeah, to me. yeah. The, those numbers that you read off are very interesting. The, the first thing you got to remember: the Rays face the Blue Jays nineteen times. Those teams that you just mentioned, there don't Astros and Mets. That's right. They, they that's don't know point. them as much. They don't know life on the heater. They don't. That's why they're throwing more heaters to, to to the Blue Jays or, or you, than the Rays do. The, the Rays understand each one of these guys. no so surprises. What Bo's going to try and do against the Rays? There is surprises against the Mets. Who mm-hmm. else? Are, whoever else you mentioned there. How, how they approach their at-bats, what they can hit, what they can't hit, what location they're good at, what location they're not good at. So th- that would be the first thing I would say about the, the amount of fastballs that, that the Rays throw against the Blue Jays. For me, that's an organizational-wide thing for the Rays, too. They, for me, a lot of the times are a spin-it-first, elevate-it-second kind of team. They're not a oh, oh, I'm going to give you my best hitter middle of the way. Not a lot of times. Most uh, – Quite a few of times that people that come out of bullpens, unless you just throw a bazillion miles an hour from a weird arm angle that a right-hander has a real tough time hitting, you're normally going to, you know, you're, you're going to do things outside the norm, which is what the Rays do. So, you know, the, the, I think you could read a little bit of different ways into those kind mm-hmm. of stats. I just think for the Blue Jays, for me, you can't look at that. Like, you you have to look windows this time of the season. It's not mechanical anymore. It's about what you don't swing at. I'm going to try and go to the plate and not chase what I can't hit. I look in a window that will simplify whether it's a fastball, curveball, changeup. I don't have to worry about it now. If I can get in an athletic position and I can look for a window to hit, it's two inches on the window. You know, like Lourdes Gurriel Jr. right now's window is bigger than Bo Bichette's window. That's my point is that for me is what you call simplifying it in September. That's what I try to do. Now, not at this level and not as pressure situations as these guys have per at bat facing legit teams like the Rays. But I'm saying as good as they are as hitters, if you could just window it up, whatever your window is, that will simplify it as much as if I can get my front foot in an athletic position, I can separate my hands and get that, that rubber band effect. Soon enough, and look in my window, I've simplified it enough now that I can just get barrel to – I can beat that pitcher to the spot to my window, I'll have success. Got to say this, too. This is a different – the Jays
1: are a different team right now than the last time the Rays faced them. Springer and Lourdes.
2: It's like bookends, right? Mm-hmm. That's – it's – again, it. I just. I just – I think with the – why the Blue Jays for me are good when they're good, and I've said this – I said this to you a, a couple of Fridays ago. You were asking me what the approach was be, and I said if they can lay off the pitcher's pitch and get their pitch in their window, they're going to go on a big run and they're going to annihilate teams. Which what, is exactly what Marcus Semyon
3: said Exa- they have exactly to do. Exactly
2: right. Lay off the pitcher's pitch again. It's not mechanical in September. If you have if you don't know your mechanics by now, yeah. after how many at bats and how many swings you've taken, and how many you're never extra swings them. in the cage or anything, exactly like right. That. So now it's just refining what you don't swing at. If you can do that. Alec Manoa will make
1: his third start of the year against the Rays. Uh, first start, first two two starts were back to back. What are you seeing right now when you see Alec Manoa? And and you know, Ben made an interesting point. I thought about that. We we talked about that pitch selection against Brett Gardner. Yeah, and you could tell when Alec came off the mound, he was. You could tell he was mad at himself. He you could tell he was mad at himself. He threw it down but the middle. What? Uh, what are you seeing when you see him right now? And we are getting, you what's know, September, what is it? September 13th? Yeah. It's getting on. Are you, what are you watching for in terms of concern about Alec Manoa, in terms of stuff, in terms of workload? Yeah, I don't like
2: see that? that. I don't think there is a workload. I mean, he's a big, giant human. I mean, he's, he's never been in this part, this high pressure of pitches before. I just don't think it matters with him. It, he, mindset wise he just doesn't the way he talks the way he acts on the mound the way he's between innings up on the rail talking to his buddies does it look like he cares like it just doesn't that, that's that a great i've
1: it, never seen a starting pitcher i have not either i've never I've
2: seen never that i've never seen a starting even pitcher in ball. In, no ever even,
1: even in games in, in games where he's pitching i've never seen a guy stand up on the top of the dugout and watch his team hit or the steps yeah. and watch his team hit the way he, he the way he does honest to god i maybe some guys have done it uh, but you watch most of the other Jays pitchers. They're not doing it. They're sitting down.
2: They right. got their arm wrapped. I, I, think, I think he has a plan. I think he understands who he is. And he's, he mentioned one very interesting thing in his last Zoom call, that he needs to get better at reading bats. That, that for me, is for whatever reason. He said, he, wow, said all, he said all kinds of good things, that he was competitive. Uh, the, the more lefties in the Yankees lab. That's pretty perceptive for a rookie to the, say, I ex- got to get used
1: to reading bats.
2: Exact, no, not used to it, better at it. OK, there's a difference, right? Like he he's made it either. He's had conversations with Robbie Ray, which that seems like that was something he would get from Robbie Ray. Yes, it does. Doesn't it? Like yes, as much as he you you see the camera pan over to Robbie Ray and it's always seems to be those two. And Ryu. Ryu is one of the guys, too, that's very good at reading bats. And that's the one thing in his last Zoom that stood out for me. He said a lot of things about the lefties in the Yankees lineup was. I don't want to say gave him trouble, but he was trying to figure out how to read bats better against those guys. Right? If, it's, if he's late on the heater, why would I throw him anything else? You know, if, if I can get him out in front on the changeup, why would I throw him anything else? Mm-hmm. It's that kind of thing. And that, for me, is what I'll be looking at. It's not the velocity. It's going to be there. It's not the brake on the slider. It should be there. It's not the arm speed on the sinker. It's probably going to be there. It's not the changeup. It's probably going to be there. It's the reading bats part of it. And if he can do that... All the other stuff, just look, like, I got to be honest with you. Other than Robbie Ray, who else, like, would you want starting a big series? A big series. Like, he's a big, giant human. Yeah, I. Who I just don't, uh, he's not afraid of anything. You know who I'm all in I know in Barrios, on. but. You know who I'm all in on. Yeah, Barrios, but I'm saying, like, for me just to, you know, I've said it. 2015, people were afraid to face the Blue Jays. They were bullies on the block a little bit. For me, the blue. You have to, in the American League East. You have to have that. You have to have that going to Yankee Stadium. You have to have that going to Fenway. You have to have that teams coming into the to the Rogers Center. You do, and you have a big giant human who's yeah. not afraid to move your feet. I kind of like it.
1: Yeah. No. Listen. I'm 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 with you on that. Um, and I, this is. It will be intriguing to see what. What Alec Manoa delivers here gonna be a good test like, against all is, the lefties. This is fun. This can be a fun series. It will I, I, be. I know you always kid me about Rays up and everything like that, <laughs> uh, but the Rays and Jays generally play good games. They're close. They play good baseball games, and this is a, I'm, I, yeah, uh, six games against the Rays at this time of the year. First of all, you know, let's be optimist here. Say you go four and two or three and three. Can you imagine how they will feel if you can go four and two against the Rays?
2: Yeah, like the the well the spring that would put in your it, step. It'd be a little bit of that too. What if they win the wild card game and have to face you, <sighs> or we have to go into to the Rogers Center and face the Blue Jays? Who you know the Blue Jays guys that matter are young, haven't been there before. Do they really care? Like they're just easy yeah. flowing, sea ball hit ball in my area kind of thing, and. I'm with you. It's a nice little test for that. a nice little test for the Blue Jays. Take them to that next level, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to do it against it's, the Orioles. It's kind of nice. another thing to do it at the Roger Center against the it's best kinda, team in the American League. It's
1: kind of nice having this series plop down before you. And I'm not short selling the Twins because I got to think Josh Donaldson's going to come here this week, and I want to kick some serious butt. Yeah, uh, you pitch around him. Well, but <laughs> exactly. But but my point is, it's not a bad thing to have a series like this after you've played the the, the Orioles. You don't want to get too cocky. Now you got these guys. Then you got the, the twins. I don't want to get too cocky there. Mm-hmm. Then you got the Rays and the Yankees. I mean, it, I, I, think this is, I think this is almost almost perfect for these guys. Almost perfect for these guys right
2: now. Yeah, and it may come down to, to pitching and defense. Yeah. It's not, you know, against the Rays, for me, it's not always about the offense. It's about that one play they didn't make that they should have made. If they can do that. Well,
1: uh, as we mentioned, the Jays had quite a weekend series against the Baltimore Orioles, a historic series, lots of runs scored. Different tests these next three nights. They have got the Tampa Bay Rays. They are the best team in the American League. And uh, it will be intriguing to see if facing the Rays at the Rogers Center maybe, maybe gives these guys a little bit of an extra edge. So if you're going out there, have fun, get loud, Curtain calls are always a good idea. Keep that in mind. First of three tonight, 7:07. First pitch. Ben's got the call. We'll be back tomorrow. Enjoy the baseball. You've been listening to Baseball Central, powered by DoorDash, on the Sportsnet Radio Network.